Hello and welcome to episode 1112 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, November 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, it's morning for you, so good morning to you. It is morning. It's not as early as we usually uh, do because that's why it's afternoon here. Yeah, we're, we're in the we're in that uh, changeover period there, where it's early mm-hmm. noon for me, late morning for you. Uh, you have the day off today. Yeah, uh, happy Veterans Day for everybody. Happy Veterans Day, uh, yourself directly mm-hmm. serving. Thank you for serving. Thanks to all those who have served. It's uh, certainly not easy. Not something that I think I'd be cut out for. So I do appreciate the people that uh, that do that, including yourself. So thank you. I don't even know if you could have gotten in the military considering your height and weight. You would have yeah. needed a waiver. That's the thing. I, I think I'd have gotten out on, uh, on you know, suckiness alone. We can't use you, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> no, I did have a guy uh, who I uh, was like my bunk mate in basic training who was like six foot six and like 130 pounds. Um, he did need a waiver to get in. So. I want a waiver to get out. Yeah, you can get those. I I got one of those. It's called alcoholism. Oh yeah. Well, I, I probably want to avoid that one, but uh, mm-hmm. they don't need me anymore. Now now I'm 41. They don't want my decrepit ass. So maybe back in yeah. the day when I could move a little. So um, with their recruiting issues, they may want. They may may accept. True. Like, they might. Is, they might take me the and time. my dogs. Yeah, they yeah. might just take the dogs with us. Uh, they'll take anybody right now. We maybe could have planned this so that this was episode 1111. Mm-hmm. I love episode 1111. It's the Arizona mm-hmm. Fall League episode. Listen to it if you haven't. But the timing would have been pretty nice if we had made this one 1111 yeah. on 1111. Could we we, we just make there. silly mistakes all the time. You, I know you what you're going to say. Yeah, you posted episode 1111 with 70 minutes. I mean, and you recorded just tightened a up one the minute. Disclaimer. I could yeah, just tighten you could it just up. cut out a minute of True. Like, just rammed, random, just dead like, air, a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have just trimmed it up. I should have been looking there mm-hmm. to see if we were at that uh, that hour and nine or ten minute mark, and I, I blew it. I blew it. But hopefully, people enjoyed that episode. Uh, I did have to put the disclaimer on there because there was a lot of language, and I know some folks listen in the car with kids or family around, and you know, while we. Even in our normal episodes, we'll occasionally have an F-bomb or, or say shit or something like that. We're not full-blown with that the way we were on Saturday night where we were just mm-hmm. kind of letting it fly. So I wanted everyone to be mindful of, of what they were getting into. It seems most folks enjoyed it, though. So I, I, yeah. I'm glad that they did, even though it wasn't heavy on baseball. We are going to talk some baseball today. We're going to pick up from where we were two episodes ago and kind of do uh, some more ADP stuff, talking about how things have changed and we're going to talk about the top five non-injury slash closer slash retirement drops, meaning injury guys, closers, and retirements are the ones that are pushed off to the side. These are the ones that are basically we're trying to get at skill. Guys that fell off uh, because they didn't perform well, we're not as hyped on them anymore. We got five guys that have made some big moves. And then the top five drops among top 300 picks because those first five that we're going to talk about they're pretty they're pretty out there now. Some of them are struggling to even go in uh, draft champions this year. But the top five uh, uh, among the top 300 picks, those are some guys you know. And frankly, I could have done among the top 160 picks because the highest rated one uh, is 155. But let's get into these first five here. This is a guy we've talked a bit about across the offseason for different things. We've compared a new Cubs first baseman uh, to him. There's a lot... Uh, talk a lot of talk about Frank Schwindel and was it a big miss? Was it an obvious miss? Should we have been on this? We all knew it was a small sample. We all knew it was a late career bloom. There were some positive things in that line with the Cubs last year in 2021 that made people believe. I know that you were somebody that were was in on him. Here's the thing: even with it falling apart, it wasn't a draft killer because the price was not substantial. But he completely pumpkined Justin. He Frank Schwindel came all the way back to earth in a big way. And like I said, uh, now we're seeing you know o- other comps of, of guys who, who's going to be this year's Frank Schwindel. Joey Manessis is a guy that we kind of keep mm-hmm. putting in that same circle there. And you know, I, I, I try to avoid being too lazy on comps. You know, talking about Matt Weeders with Adley Rutschman, or in this case, Manessis with Schwindel. But there's some similarities there. Um, with Schwindel, like I said, you were bought in a bit. You knew what you were getting into, though. Were you surprised by the fall off that it was this severe? 
or did you just know that this was in the range of outcomes? You took the L and moved on. How, how did you feel about Schwindel as the season got going? Because you probably didn't keep him terribly long, right? A month tops, no. basically. Yeah, I mean, he, he got dropped pretty quickly uh, by me and the Cubs uh, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it's a little bit of both when we're talking about was this expected and, or was this surprising? Uh I think it was surprising. I mean, the contact skills he had showed at the major league level and in the minor leagues, for that matter, were elite. Um, and to see him drop all the way down to like league average contact ability was a bit shocking. Like it's, um, yeah. And so, like I, I thought at worst he would be a usable piece at the bottom of any roster. Yeah, uh, like a CI or a U2 mm-hmm. or even just a bench guy that yeah, just a bench guy that yeah. Out can fill in in a deeper league. Uh, And so to see him get to the point where he was not usable when he was up in the major leagues and then down the major leagues, because one of the reasons why I felt pretty comfortable with him, even if he struggled was the Cubs suck, man, the cut, like who the Cubs are the Cubs going to play. And Uh, it turned out he was even too sucky for them. Yeah. And so uh, I think this is a warning sign for a guy like Matt Murphy, because I think one of the, pluses that we are seeing floated around is like who else do the cubs have well the cubs didn't have anybody last year and they figured it out um so if matt mervis struggles which i don't necessarily expect him to struggle to the same extent that frank schwindel did Mm -hmm. they'll go somewhere they'll go alonzo rivas or whoever is the next alonzo rivas um alfonso yes yeah, sorry, Alfonso. And, uh, and that's the thing, too. Like, we do talk about things of, like, okay, this team is not very good. They're going to give so-and-so a try. But that try does have a limit. And I think we, as a community, uh, see with Schwindel that we need to readjust what that limit is. I think we had a a lower bar for what a team would take if they're a bad team. Cubs said, no, we got a 30-year-old guy here. We'll put anybody in whose age starts with a two just so that we're trying out some guys with mm-hmm. the way Schwindel is performing. The power completely dropped. Now, I got to imagine that as the season developed, you saw him as one of the guys like your Jamer Candelarios and your in your scopes and all that. And even probably to a lower extent, he doesn't have, he doesn't have as much power as those guys. Was Schwindel a victim of the offensive environment eating up his power just as much as the fact that that he regressed and wasn't as powerful as as last year or or is it like like where where do you put that meter between his power fell off because he doesn't have it and the league environment is it all league environment is it all his power wasn't that good or is it probably somewhere in the middle it's probably somewhere in the middle I, i think he definitely uh struggled because of the the change in balls and changing kind of league environment but i also think you know, you look at what he did in terms of his batted ball profile and his ground ball rate went up to the roof. He also wasn't making very well as much contact uh, in the zone. Like, I mean, he was a guy who was a 91, 92% zone contact guy uh, previously. And then all of a sudden he's league average, he's 83, 84%. Uh, and then you add in that his ground ball rate went up like 15% to like 47% overall. It's like, okay, now he's not making as much contact. And when the when he does make contact, it's on the ground like that. Just going to crush your power. Now you add in the fact that the balls aren't flying nearly as far. Okay, well we have a lot of problems, and that kind of mm-hmm. all lumps together into the Frank Schindel experience in 2022, which was not favorable for him or me. No, it, it really wasn't. And uh, I, I didn't mention his drop off yet. He lost 464 picks down to 701. And he went in uh, all all of the draft champions drafts last year. And like I said, he might not even get picked in some of them this year. Uh, let's talk about Jonathan VR. Now, we've known him as a guy who has bounced around, right? Like uh, his highs have been very high. Red baseball with 62 steals back in 2016, hit 19 homers and a 285 average that year. Absolutely fantastic. Fell on hard times the very next year rebounded in 18 surged again in 19 back down to earth again in 20 even though it was the shortened season he at 232 with two homer 16 steals the 16 steals helped but he was bad again rebounded yet again in 21 for vr 18 homers 14 steals which was a bit of a low number but you know you're getting a double double from a bench guy and then this year gone again 
spent time with those aforementioned Cubs as well as the Angels. 59 games with a 59 OPS plus. There's some uh, numerical symmetry for you with uh, with VR. Three homers, seven steals. He's going to be 32 next year. He has lost 459 picks down to pick 709 uh, or 708. Excuse me. People have moved on from VR. I don't blame them. Do you think there's a rebound here? Like if he signs with somebody, would you then be taking VR or have you moved on from the VR train? I think if you're playing in like, well, we don't know where he's going to be. So if you're playing in a mono league and you know, he's going to sign in that, uh, that league, then I think he's worth a roster spot. I think in 50 round drafts and holds, if he signs a contract, He's worth a roster spot because he has moved up, by the way, to 688. He's moved up 20 picks since I wrote that up uh, about a week ago. Which, you know, honestly, one pick could have done that to be like, yeah, I almost said to be honest after I said honestly. Um, but yeah, like he has a min of 563. That could have recently happened, and that alone could pull you up yeah. that many spots. This, so I'm not reading too much into that, but I just wanted to get the, the factual info out there that VR is up to 688 which is super, super late in these 50-round draft and holds. I think I agree with you, though, that I could be I could see myself getting him in a round 40 range, 40 to 50 range if he signs somewhere. Um, if he signs somewhere where it looks like there's a clearer path to playing time, he might go in the late 30s rounds. If you're picking him in anything before that, though, I think you're kind of wasting a pick. Yeah. I mean, if he were to sign, let's say Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh has been doing this thing where they sign these kind of aged veterans to come in for part-time roles like Michael Chavez, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was, you know, Michael Chavez had some usable months he sure in did. fantasy. So, uh, and when you're talking about a guy like VR, who's got speed, like that's always has um, value in fantasy. And I know like some people are like, well, it's going to have less value this year. I don't know that it will. Like, mm, I just, yeah. I don't think we know at all. You know, I think Derek Cardi had a really good panel in which he talked about like, Will this change things? It may, but it might not. Like, um, so we don't know. And if you make too many sweeping guesses on what it's going to do, you could wind up making some bad moves. So I wouldn't over-index one way or the other mm-hmm. on that. So he's multi-positional eligible. Uh, that's always helpful, especially in these draft and old formats, uh, in really really deep formats. Uh, so I don't know. Like, am, am I targeting him? No, but like end of the draft, like, hey. I might need a little extra speed. I'm looking for a guy who can cover second base and third base so he can cover yeah. my CI and MI. VR, if he's got a spot, I think he's worth a roster spot. So I think if, if you're drafting early before he signs, because he probably won't be one of those guys who signs before February, yeah, uh, that's one of your few stash spots in a draft. And like you yeah, cannot I, I, load I can up get behind that. Of, yeah, I can't load up with a bunch of injury guys. A bunch of prospects and Jonathan VR. You got to kind of pick and choose. Oh, but yeah, you can uh, you can go for for a Jonathan VR. That power and speed can certainly be uh, pretty useful. We'll see what happens if and when he signs. Robbie Grossman minus four hundred twenty six picks down to pick six oh seven. You know he had that twenty twenty year with the Tigers. I, I I struggled to get fully behind it. I cannot sit here and pretend I, I knew he was going to fall off to that degree. That would be a stone cold lie. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't have a ton of confidence that the, the steals were going to repeat, which made him pretty, pretty bland for an outfielder. If you're giving him like 17 homers, eight steals and a, and a 240 average, whatever. Uh, he ends up with seven homers, six steals, 209 average. It ends up being a pretty rough year. He rebounded a little with Atlanta, quote unquote, but not, not much. Uh, once he went over there, Robbie Grossman's now 33 has just kind of the one spike here from a fantasy relevant standpoint. He's had other positive years as a bat, but that was the big fantasy relevant season. Is there any hope here for Grossman? And, uh, is he somebody you would take? And I guess if, if the answer is yes, compare him in VR at that point with Grossman. I mean, so in my in my first draft of the year, he was just sitting on the board and just sitting and sitting and sitting. And I just never was able to pull the trigger, even though I needed outfielders, because like we've talked about um, at length, outfield sucks this year. Uh, <laughs> so I was all like, Robbie Grossman, he's a season removed from a 2020 year. Like, oh, do I just, you know, pull the trigger and hope he signs somewhere? I don't know that. Like, I think you probably will sign somewhere, but like. 
as like what? a minor league deal. Like yeah, and that's that's my big fear is he's like a minor league deal or he's on a platoon. Uh, you know, like the the Braves aren't bringing him back. They didn't. I think they just traded for somebody um, crappy. So like, why why would they bring him in? Um, the, God, the the Braves just signed somebody crappy or traded for somebody crappy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, that was a pitcher trade. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they did. Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard. Sam, Sam Hilliard. Yeah. So, so they're I, not going to bring in Grossman. He's a younger, better version of Gross. Like I'm not. They're not even that comparable. But that outfield spot, like that bench outfielder, was just taken by Hilliard. So Grossman's not coming back to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I agree with you there. I just. I don't know. Like I. There's I would not, not much be to surprised. Go yeah, I would not be surprised if he didn't find at least a full-time job uh, much less any job i mean i think he'll probably find something but something like if, I, if he I signed think... in the kbo like would you be surprised i i no. wouldn't I, so. I i really wouldn't with grossman so uh i'm not really looking to spend a pick there i don't even know if i'm looking to spend a pick here even though i love this guy and i, I don't want to quit nelson cruz but it's bad minus 411 picks to pick 589 at this point you know we thought okay the way people were justifying it was, A, I mean, he obviously has a sparkling track record. B, the, the fall off at the end of 21 was in Tampa Bay. We know Tampa Bay can be a difficult park for certain guys. Uh, you know, most famously, of course, Adamas struggling there. He talked about how bad it was. Maybe Cruz fell into some of that because he put up just a, uh, a 101 OPS plus there after putting up a 148 with Miami earlier in the year. So that was kind of the the hope that people had pinned on Nelson Cruz. Well, the 41-year-old looked every bit of 41 and then some 234, 313, 337 slash. The 337 slug is just devastating. 10 homers. The funny thing is he dropped a little four steals for you. <laughs> so that's fun. He went four for four. Speed demon. Yeah, that little speed demon Nelson Cruz. Um, assuming he keeps playing, which I believe he said that he wants to. And so let's assume somebody signs him, at least with the NLDH, there are 30 potential jobs for him. Nelson Cruz has been a show favorite for years. Are you still drafting him? Of course I am. Uh, the price is like primed. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, we got to see that he signs first, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I, they're so not I, drafting him sight unseen yet. No, I, I need to know. I mean, how many teams want a 42 year old Nelson Cruz? Like, yeah. I think there's just going to be a very, very small market. Uh, like this will be a dollar, you know, pick in March. If he signs on a team in a, you know, in a place where he's actually going to get playing time, uh, you know, at this point in his career, he can't play the outfield at all. Uh, he could end up on a team like Pittsburgh. Like this seems like the perfect location or in a perfect you know place. For a guy like Nelson Cruz, um, but uh, I mean, is he washed? <sighs> Probably. I mean, the contact skills <laughs> aren't as great as they were. He clearly is swing clearly looks slower uh, last year than it had in previous seasons. Uh, the launch angle is down to seven degrees, which makes it really hard to barrel a ball if you can't get it high enough uh, to count as a barrel. So, <laughs> um. There wasn't a whole lot that's good at this yeah. point. You're it's name value. Yeah, you're betting uh, yeah. track record blindly here. Like yeah. I, I can't dig into the profile and give you anything on Nelson Cruz that's gonna that's gonna wet your whistle. Like if you like him, you like him. Otherwise, shrug and move on, right? Because yeah. there's nothing here that's gonna make me that excited. And I mean, I think there's a reasonable chance that he doesn't get the kind of offer that is worth it to him to continue playing. Like agreed. I mean, a guy who is just making, you know, I think what twelve million dollars a year. Is he going to sign uh, a two million dollar offer so he can go play in Pittsburgh? I don't, I don't yeah, think he's I, going to. Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I would. I would think, you know, he did the Washington thing this year. I wonder. I wonder if maybe he's angling towards something. I want to be on a better team. I would take. I would take lower money. Whatever. We don't know. Speculation mm -hmm. there with Nelson Cruz. I will say this though, even at the very, very, very low price right now not on my roster until he has a team yeah. because there's such a high chance that it could be a full zero for you. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that you can, especially if you're playing draft and holds, which is what the majority of drafts going on right now are. Yep. Uh, I just don't know that you want to take the risk on a 41 year old when you can take the risk on a 20 year old that, you know, Hey, there's an outside chance. He gets the majors and is amazing. 
uh, I just think that the chance that you take the zero, or even if you don't take the zero and he's still a zero, uh, is is too high to be taking the risk until you know he's at least got a team to play on. Yep, completely agree there with Nelson Cruz. Hope that he can find a little dead cat bounce, as they call it, but I'm not particularly optimistic. I was optimistic about this guy last year, and I'll take a fat L on my Abraham Toro love because that didn't go anywhere. I was excited that, you know, hey, maybe he can find pretty close to a full-time role and, uh, you know, a little pop, a little batting average maybe. Now, he hadn't shown batting average in the majors, but there was projection of like, oh, you know, he can actually hit. So with an extended time period of playing time without, you know, uninterrupted, so to speak, uh, has good enough Ks to maybe be 250 type hitter with 20, 20 homer type power. Yeah, no, 352 plate appearances, 185, 239, 324. Of course, that first number is his batting average. So very much not 250. 10 homers and two steals for Toro. He was out of a job, um, you know, not, not in a full time role. Still just 26, though. So unlike so many of these other guys on this list, he's not old. And unlike the others, he has a team as well. So he's still in Seattle. He's still not penciled in to start, right? He's still a utility fielder. But what does Abraham Toro do do for you this year after the tough down year? Because I, I want to say you were on the, on the train with me last yeah. year, too. We liked him as a deep league type of pick, utility type guy. It didn't work out. You jumping back in or you, you passing on, on Toro? I think you're, a lot of it depends on what the Mariners do this offseason. If they add to that infield, then I think he's really has no place to play. Um, I mean, as is, we have yeah. him on the bench with Dylan Moore mm -hmm. penciling at second base. Let's say they get, let's say they go big. They get somebody who's unquestionably the second baseman. I can't think of the second base. Let's just, it's not going to be Turner, I don't think, but just say Turner. Something so obvious that they're going to put in there. So now Moore is even on the bench along with Toro. What are you doing there? Is, is Toro not? Is Toro off the board at six fifty for you then? Because he's he's so cheap right now that even without PT, I don't think you have to worry about it. Is he somebody you would still take as under the idea of like if Abraham Toro finds a role, I can still click here, or if he gets buried, you're out. Well, where do you come out on Toro? Assuming they put somebody at second that's like locked in there. Yeah, I mean. Ugh. I don't know. I, I think I'm probably out if they lock someone in. Um, and I don't even know if I'm in if they lock someone. I, I still like the underlying skills. He knows how to take a walk. Uh, he makes good contact in the zone. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that this is a team that's looking to improve. And like one of the ways they can improve is by you know, bringing in a shortstop or bringing in a second baseman, moving Crawford over. To, yeah, I was going to say Swanson is another yeah. name that I actually have a little bit more faith in than I, I was saying Turner just because I couldn't think of any other middle infielder. Let's let's say it is Swanson though. They go big, mm -hmm. they get Crawford on board with moving to second. So again, that's locked and loaded because they do love JP Crawford there. I still think Toro's all right at that price though, right? Because you said you still like some of the skills. I agree. 19% K rate is not problematic nine percent swinging strike says that's that's a fine k rate he doesn't walk a ton but if, when, if you don't strike out a bunch i'm not as worried about it and i should mention he had a 198 babbit this year i was roasting his batting average well that came with a 198 babbit for toro uh there's some bad luck in there too no matter how you slice it yes he contributed to it with with his punchless mm -hmm. hitting but he also got some pretty pretty rotten luck so I think I'm still taking Toro in, in draft and hold situations, especially because when you get that late, finding hitters that you can even map out a potential path to full-time role is difficult. So if you're going to give yeah. me a 26-year-old in the mid-40s rounds, I think I'm in. So I'm actually pretty – like as far as DCs go, I'm kind of targeting Toro as one of those late hitters because hitting gets so dry late. I I'm going to take a guy who's actually on a major league roster. Yeah, I mean – He's going around the same spot as Jonathan VR, and at least Toro has a job. Like, exactly. Um, it may not be in the majors all season, but I think you know there is some sort of potential path to playing time. You can play a lot of different positions, you know, first, second, and third. Um, I can see a world in which Toro kind of becomes an everyday player again. Uh, so I don't really see that for Jonathan VR. So I'll take I'll take Toro. He's still second and third base eligible. You love those guys who can play the corner and the middle. Um, yeah, I I think I'm on board with that. And he's definitely not like a major target for me necessarily. 
which is surprising because he was my like super late sleeper years ago uh you know the year he broke out so or well year he got picked up and played play and became playable i don't know if it's a breakout but yeah uh yeah i think i'm I, i'm open to it uh yeah. especially if i need you know some middle like uh, i said it gets dry it gets mm -hmm. really dry for hitters that aren't on a minor league roster or don't have super wards or no team like uh like vr so considering how late toro's going 667 mm -hmm. adp right now for somebody who's on a major league roster at least right now I'm I'm down, so I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Toro there. All right, let's get into our top five drops among top 300 picks. But first, I do want to ask you about something I meant to ask you at the top of the show. Let's mm -hmm. go ahead and squeeze it in right here. Justin Verlander opting out. I know you might flip it. Oh, I didn't say, even well, see that. Yeah, you might flip it on me and say, "Well, you're the Justin Verlander guy. What do you think?" But I, I want to get your thoughts here. Is he just opting out to get? A fatter deal because he knows he can probably get 30 from them instead of the 25 is he trying to do another two where it's guaranteed this year and then another option like he had here so he can kind of just keep playing that year to year is he going to a new team or do you think justin berlander is retiring what do you think of the opt-out because i was a little bit stunned i feel like i feel like he's not going to restart with a new team so i'm kind of looking at either get more money or pack it up man third size second world series beautiful family tv job waiting for him if he wants it or a coach anything he wants waiting for him for whatever second act just i him. mean you know that's what i said beautiful family got wonderful wife kids what what's the play here like, i was surprised i, I mean i just um, don't see him playing another i just don't see him starting up with another team though I'd say that before retirement. Like, why even opt out if you're going to retire? You just retire. Like, you don't True. need to opt out. Like, uh, I don't. I don't think the retirement's the goal. I think more money is the goal. I think he can uh, leverage the rest of the market. I think people are going to see what he did. Teams are going to see what he did, uh, and know that they can give him a very short-term contract. Uh, I still think he ends up back in Houston. That seems like the most logical spot. I think you're right. I don't know that he wants to necessarily start it up. Uh, over again with another organization especially when you have a, a young family uh, and stuff so uh he's probably just looking for maybe a two or three year deal uh with a higher aav especially with some of the other pitchers on the market like if degrom's going to get this massive deal mm -hmm. and other pitchers are going to get these massive deals you can hey you can spend the same kind of money on a two-year deal with justin verlander with an option for that third year uh, or you can, you know, shell out five, six years I'm, on these other pitchers. I'd be surprised if he got too fully committed. I mean, he is a unicorn, looked at brilliant this year. I think it's going to be like 260 with the second being another option. So he gets five extra mil and he stays in charge of that next year. Um, I think this is a play for more money out of Houston. The only thing that too. could maybe change my mind there is we just saw that James Click is leaving and it is under – uh under duress actually i don't know if i'm using that phrase probably it, it is a, an acrimonious split here they offered him one year he which said, is insane insane how do you a guy like 20 years old and uh, you know just won the world he's not that young but he's young so a 44 year old that doesn't usually get like a one-year commitment that you know you're looking at like a five after winning the world series five-year deal for you know gobs of money or whatever so they offer him a one while he was negotiating to try to get it, get it longer, he, apparently he was kind of airing things out at the GM meetings about how ridiculous this was, and so they fired him. Like this is, can, uh, I, I saw some at least some tweets right now. They could have been from Elon bots, who knows? But uh, suggest like wanting it clear that Houston wants this to be seen as a firing, mm -hmm. whereas you know he's doing the old "you can't fire me, I quit," and they're doing the "you're fired." You know that whole sort of thing right now but there's a little bit of turmoil for a team that was just a juggernaut and won the world series any bit of the james click thing make you think that maybe there's some turmoil there that might have verlander leaving that way because that was the only thing that made me think that before maybe. that i didn't think he was leaving at all now i was like well maybe there's a little tinge you never really know how these things and this is coming from a washington commanders fan who's <laughs> going through an organization or dealing with an organization uh who's in like real turmoil uh, uh right now seemingly. Yeah. yeah oh it's it just gets worse and worse every day in washington but you never know like how this kind of stuff like affects uh players especially the veteran guys who do have relationships with these front office guys right like they they're not just choosing an organization always based on money uh you know a lot of them are but 
And a guy like Verlander, he's got plenty of money. He doesn't care. He wants to play for an organization where he feels valued and he has a chance to win. And um, so, I mean, this could play into that. I, I still think he ends up back in Houston. It just makes the most amount of sense. Um, yeah, unless I'm, things are really falling apart, I, I do too. But uh, I was definitely surprised by um, by finding out that the click situation was was a negative. There, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't more of like, oh, I'm going to leave and try to go rebuild a new team. It was like butting heads, and he d- gave the double bird, and they gave him the double bird, and it, it's acrimonious. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I just want to get your thoughts there on JV. I agree. I'm putting my money on back to Houston. We'll see if anything else happens. Let's get in these top five drops among top 300 picks. Let's start with Whit Merrifield. He lost 155 picks to 187. Um, That's a bit of a fall. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about his season uh, is that if, if you really kind of get into the game logs there, he was pretty much himself after that first like 40 games or so. Um, the easiest kind, and I know it's the little arbitrary endpoints, but it looks like this is when things started to turn for him. That four hit game on uh, May 11th was the second of a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten game hit streak. Um, I use the the four hit game because that's uh, you know four for four is a really nice game there. You go from that point forward, he hit 283, 30, 432 with 11 homers and 13 steals. That's a 16 and 19 full season pace. I know he wasn't good in uh, Toronto from a playing time standpoint, but he did have a, a 769 OPS, which is a 118 OPS plus. He was above average with them. He didn't run with Toronto, though. That's probably the biggest issue is that Toronto doesn't run. And is he going to be a full time player? How do you assess Whit Merrifield coming off a rough season? now on a team where he's not guaranteed to be an every single day player and they don't run is the 34 year old Merrifield kind of cooked as a fantasy asset. Do you agree with this uh, price drop here? I definitely agree with the price drop. Uh, you know, he's the guy I took as my fourth outfielder at F uh, just because outfield gets so, I'll feel so four. Bad. I can get behind that. Yeah. Right. Multi-position eligible still. He's still on a, a you know, he's on a really good offense in Toronto. <sighs> I'm really worried about the usage. I'm really worried about the lack of stolen bases because if he, he only attempted three stolen bases after going to Toronto and he was one for three. Like yeah. it's, they, they like, don't run, man. Mm-hmm. They got boppers all up and down the lineup. Why do they got to run? I mean, you know, Bo didn't even run much this year. We talked about that yeah. uh, over the weekend and you know, he was 13 for 21. Uh, Espinal was six for 12. That's awful. Springer mm-hmm. was 14 for 16. He was the only like efficient, higher volume runner. So it's just not part of Merrifield's game with Toronto, and that obviously cuts out his biggest leg fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. So you, as no OF four, I don't mind it like you did. But what what is your expectation here? Like two seventy, ten and ten. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, you know, and there's always the chance that he turns back into Whit Merrifield, uh, but. We're also not talking about a guy whose like skills are what they were. They've been slowly declining over the last few years, and it's why so many people over the last few years have been like, "Oh, Whit Merrifield's a bus candidate. He's a bus candidate." And like, I, I understand there are people taking victory laps, but again, like, I don't think it's fair to like say it three years in a row and you finally get it right. Like, it's the whole Nelson Cruz thing. Like, people yeah. were like, "I told you Nelson Cruz was gonna fall off." And I was like, "Well." Last eight seasons before that, you were all like, Nelson's cruise is going to fall off, and he, he you know, shoved it in your face. So, exactly, and our um, best example on that is always the, the Chris Sale injury people. You, you didn't yeah. get it right. He had yeah. 10 successful years. Oh, and then you predict – so, you know, you just predict mm-hmm. the pitcher gets broken down. So you, you could have said that about Verlander, and then 15 years into his career, he gets TJ, yeah. and you go, I knew it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, there's a, there's so, a limitation on some of those, and I agree with the Merrifield ones. Like He did finally fall down this year, but if you were calling it the previous couple years, you don't get to take credit. Now, if you called it coming into 22, take your victory lap. He did fall off. I do see a rebound, though, and it, again, it really was those first like 40 or so games that, that really sunk him in unless we think that that's that he's going to have another streak like that. actually it was only 26 games i i under i oversold it it was 26 games with a 158 babbit justin he hit 139 in that time period like he was just wildly unlucky for those games 
And then he got back to being Whit Merrifield, except for the speed component, which is more of a Toronto thing than it is him. So with the discount that Merrifield's getting, I'm back on board. You got him as an OF4. He's going to have multi-position eligibility. I'm chill with that. What do you think? You got anything else on Merrifield? I'm, I'm going to say this. I got him as an OF4 in that draft, but had I drafted that team a little bit smarter, I wouldn't have drafted. I wouldn't have drafted him. Okay, I I, re- I waited you too long. To get my outfield. Oh, no, you would have wanted a better outfielder for. Gotcha. I just, I don't feel super comfortable. You know, like my my of four and five in that league are uh, with Merrifield and Joe Adele. Like I do not feel comfortable with the bottom tier of my outfield. I mean, look there's at mine not much out there. It's just, um, I don't want to be in a position where I feel like I need to draft with Merrifield. Yeah, I got Grisham as my OF4 and Oliveris as my OF5. No, we're going to talk about Grisham here in a minute. Yes, we are. And uh, Alvarez, Ward, Suzuki are my top three. So I love the top three. And I think the four or five are fine. I'm I'm a Grisham guy. We're Mm going to get to him in a moment, like you said. But let's talk Jared Walsh first. Obviously has a huge collapse in his ADP. 149 picks down to 273 for Jared Walsh. Late bloomer breakout that had some viability to it. Uh, and panned out in his, you know, he had the 20 blip and I say blip because 20 was short, even if you played all year, but he only played half of it. We bought in those of you that bought in, you got paid out 29 homers, 98 ribbies, 277 average. He was awesome in 2021 this year though, everything fell apart. Now, I don't know that I, I think like, Oh, the power got to him because he was one of those middling power guys. He struck me as somebody who could fight through the power in the league dropping, but that was not the case. He only hit 14 homers with a 215, 269, 374 slash, which is truly horrendous for Jared Walsh as a first base type. Who's now going to be what? 31 next year, I believe. Or no, just, uh, excuse me. He's going into his age 29. So it's not as old as I thought, but he is in his upper twenties. How nervous are you by this power outage from Jared Walsh? And how does it affect you drafting him for 2023? Um, I'm super nervous because he got thoracic outlet surgery. Um, now, we don't have a whole lot of record on that for hitters. We, but we, we have know it's not none. Pitchers. Like, I, I, I have not been able to find a single one. I thought uh, I thought DD got it. Maybe not. I thought it was it. Maybe he was, just got straight Tommy John. I think he was Tommy John. Like, um, we have no idea like how this affects hitters. Uh, I mean, we barely understand it yeah, for pitchers. I agree. Uh, I agree. Like, like there hasn't been a ton for pitchers. So, like, the, we have no idea what it's gonna do for for hitters. I feel like two seventy three isn't a far enough drop, to be honest. Um, especially because we're like, let's say he is back to being the guy he was prior to the injury. Because I I chalk a lot of twenty twenty two up to that, right? Like, yeah, he said he'd been dealing with it for a while, um, and that he even had been dealing with it prior to the twenty twenty two season. Um, so like, I kind of say screw it. Like, let's not worry about that. He still has massive platoon issues. Um, That's true. Like, he is not good against lefties, uh, and. Like, I think that's going to be a major issue for him if he ends up becoming a platoon bat. Um, this is also an Angels team. I have no idea what their direction is. Uh, you know, could they bring in a guy to platoon with him or just even take his spot at some point? Like, they probably could. Uh, I Knowing, I knowing th- them, they'll sign Abreu. Yeah, like that. I, I think Abreu ends up uh, with... Um, another team but uh you know like there's reports that he could end up in the other chicago team which would be really scary for the guy that yeah (laughs) guy that everybody's been on board with uh it apparently seems like the train is going crazy remember like right before he left for fpas we had the discussion on matt mervis and we made a bet that uh i i said he'd be a top 280p guy and uh by march and you were like nah and and now he's gonna be like he's gonna be like next week like you know, um, so I, I, I firmly disagree with it. By the way, I he, I, I was wrong that was going to happen because I was just saying like no, that shouldn't happen, but it is, and I'm definitely wrong because he almost already went there yeah. at FPAS. Yeah, so uh, I think Walsh is um, if if he's cheap enough in a draft, I think he's worth a gamble. But he needs to be really cheap, and I, I feel like in, still inside the top 300 is a little bit more expensive when we don't know at all. Like, we have no idea what he could or couldn't do, be able as, to do. 
dropped another 10 spots and doing the update right now to 283. So that's getting you closer to that 300 mm -hmm. mark. I will say in the last, in, in my draft that I did that is completed, because ours isn't completed, so it's not in the system, he went 372, which was the max. Our league set a max on Jared Walsh. Like, that seems great. I love that kind of price, because you're talking about a guy who could potentially hit 30 home runs yeah, um, if he's healthy. And it, at 372, you're, you're going, I don't really need him to do what he does. Now it's all just cake. Uh, you know, anything outside of like the top 350 and I'm, I'm pretty much in anything inside the top 300 and then I need to see some health. And if we see health, you know, in spring training, he's going to bump back up to like 250. Um, yeah. And then like, it, it's a coin flip at that point. Cause he's going in this group and this was a group that made you a little, uh, regretful of taking Mervis. Uh, you got one of these guys, Tristan Casas, but then, yeah. you know, Spencer Torkelson, Luke Voigt, uh, those three specifically, I, I, and I, Trey Mancini, we'll see where he lands, but I like all four of those guys. They're all in the Walsh area too. So if Walsh's price is the same as theirs, I think I rank him fifth amongst that group. Uh, Mervis himself has a 315 ADP right now, but like you said, you took him 227. Somebody else took him 206. Uh, so he is, he is moving up, up, up. There's another guy like Miguel Vargas. He's at 324. Love Miguel Vargas. I got to see where his power is, though, because he got a Yandy Diaz comp in the prospect right up this year. And looking at his profile, that that fits. And if he doesn't escape that Yandy Diaz sphere where he doesn't hit for enough power, he can't get the ball up enough, then he's not quite as good of a first base type. But Walsh, I agree with you. If he's trending in the 290s or later, three, you said 300s or later, if I'm in that late 200s, early 300s, I can get behind it. Anything higher than that, though, there's probably going to be somebody else I want later. Uh, let's move on to the mound. First guy we talked about as a pitcher here, Jose Barrios. Nobody's going to be surprised to learn that he's falling down. 143 picks down to 217 this year for Barrios. Let me see if that's the most updated. 220. So he continues to evaporate even a bit more. Obviously had the disastrous season. The funny thing is uh, our good friend Nick Pollock calls him the great undulator. You know, he's up and mm -hmm. down, up and down. And that's always been uh, Barrios. Like go through and game log him from really any of his years. And you're going to see the ups and downs, ups and downs. And you might think like, oh, well, this is the year that broke and it was just down because he had a 523 ERA. And you'd actually be wrong. He undulated even more. Nick said he was the greatest of undulators this year. <laughs> and he's right. Because, you know, just using game score as a loose shorthand, it's not perfect, but it gets the job done here. Any game score over 55 is a pretty good game. You can't really fake that. He had 14 at 57 or better. Another couple right at 54. But... He also had, this is Barrios, had 10 that were 40 and below. And you cannot have a 40-game score and, and salvage that game. Like, that is kind of the cutoff point where that is a shit outing no matter how you slice it. In fact, all 10 of those are 36 and below. I just used 40 as the cutoff. So 10 devastating starts could not be countered by 14 good to great ones for Barrios. But at least he still showed those upsides. Is that enough for you to get back on board with uh, Barrios, who allowed the most hits and earned runs in the American League this year? Jose Barrios going to be age 29 next year. How are you feeling about the uh, the right-handed starter? Man, he needs to stop throwing that four-seamer. Um, Does he have a two-seamer or cutter or um, – He's got a sinker. Sinker. Yeah, that he, okay, that, so he, he that, does have something else he could turn to. And that, I mean, that wasn't necessarily great or anything, but he had a 618 slug against the four seamer. It just I mean, got, like, it, it got was part of the home run murder. surge, too, because he jumped yeah. up to 1 5 homer 9 for Burrios as well. A yeah. minus 18.9 pitch value for the fastball. Pitch values are not predictive, they just tell you what happened. It got crushed. My, you don't need to know pitch values that well to know that minus 18.9. And just about any metric that you're talking about, unless you're in golf, uh, you know a minus 18.9 on something is not good, right? Like that's just kind yeah. of inherent that you know a negative in 15, this case is very bad. 15 homers given up on that four-seamer. That's I mean, brutal. Just, um, you know, it's just. To put that in context, he gave up 22 homers all of last year, yeah. 2021. So 15 just on the fastball this year. Yeesh. So he's yeah. in Toronto. Mm -hmm. It is a tougher place. Yeah. But 
we get the new schedule, which maybe softens a little bit of that change. Because remember, he went from the AL Central, the best division over the last several years to pitch in, to the worst, the AL East. But now with the balanced schedule, he won't have as many trips to New York, Boston. I know Baltimore's not as scary anymore with their park, but they're still a solid team. Uh, he pitches on Toronto, so that helps. But is that enough? And along with Barrios' track record, the new schedule and track record, is that enough to get you on board here at a pick 280 type or tick pick 220 type price? Is that cheap enough for you on Barrios? I mean, I think it's in the general right area. There's just guys there I like much more. I mean, give me a couple of your names because I want to play either or with you, and I don't want to just give the names that you're definitely going to pick. I'm definitely going to take John Gray over him. Yeah, you, you um, love Gray. I like Gray too. I don't mean to say that like you love him and I don't. Yeah. I, I'm with you though. I like Gray. I'm definitely if I'm going to bet on a bounce back, I think I'll bet on Trevor Rogers. Yeah, me too. What about the other Gray since he's right there? Sonny. Hmm. That's that's tough. I I I, do, I just worry about the durability on Sonny Gray. Um can I don't, he, you I don't know, think that's unfair. I, I think at least with Brias, you know he's going to be on the mound. Like you're going to get 200 innings. It may not we, be. We, we reasonably yeah. expect it. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Anybody's sure. But I, I get what you're saying. I just want to clarify that we we can't guarantee it. But he does not inherently he being Brias carry yeah. injury risk at the same degree as somebody like Sonny Gray. By the way, I ranked them 58, 59. So to to stay honest, I have to say I'm higher on Gray, but by the smallest margin. Yeah. Uh, I think Patrick Sandoval is an interesting discussion. Was, I was going to bring him up. We uh, do both angels here, both lefty angels. Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers are both right there. Ranked yeah. Sandy, Detmers, Barrios. Give me give me the all three ranked. Oh, uh, okay. You can uh, look at your rankings too so that you're, you don't go. I don't, have, I don't have them up right now, but oh, I'll okay. just, off the top of my head, I think I'm going to go uh, Sandoval, Barrios, Detmers. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we are completely – we both have – no, I went Detmer Sandoval Barrios. Yeah. I I mean it's a close not, trio. Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument either way. I just I think the innings are probably a little bit safer with a Barrios. Uh the team context is way better with Barrios. Um and that's tough. I honestly I don't know how much I want any of them. Like I, I I've You're tried like the Sandoval Angels one. lefties. Uh Sandoval's whip is a problem it is uh, you know and, he looks a lot like lefty luis castillo hmm? and castillo yeah. obviously took that turn hit that jump this year it helped getting out of that park it's not necessarily angels park that's hurting sandoval by the way but i'm just saying for castillo going to seattle and and getting better too right he, he didn't just go the park didn't magically make him better he was better and thus, his whip was a lot less of a problem this year. It was less of a problem in Cincinnati. But coming into this year, Castillo was one of those guys who was consistently held back by his whip. And I think he skated in the fantasy world. I, I feel like we didn't give it enough credence that it was a problem. He had a 136 in 2021, but he dropped it down to 108 this year. Um, but Sandoval's had that persistent issue because his walk rate is high and he's an, an extreme ground ball guy and they don't always turn his ground balls into outs because the angels suck. So he had a 134 whip this year. It was 121 last year, but 134 the year before that as well, only 36 innings. So it is nerve wracking with Sandoval's whip. Um, if they increase the defense, like what, what if they get like a Dansby Swanson, is that something that you would, uh, I don't think there's any reasonable chance they do. Like I, I just I I think they're gonna roll with what they've got. Um, at least gross. I I agree. But can they afford another big contract right now? Like I mean, well, obviously they, do, they can be a pitcher. Yeah, right. I, mean, like, I just I don't know that it's it should be in the bullpen. The problem is where do you put well, no, you some don't spend money there though? That's where like, you can go off cheap. I think. Yeah, the, there's not much on the bullpen market right now, especially after we got Robert Suarez and Edwin Diaz already resigned. I like, like them inking Suarez, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, I do too. It was a great deal for both of them, I think. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Detmers is actually interesting. Maybe I'm a little bit too low on Detmers. Yeah, um, his his in-season transition was, mm-hmm. was something to behold. Like, he yeah. really clicked after going down, tightening up the slide. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like one piece of information, moving your finger a little bit, whatever it was. I don't know if it was a big, small, or what difference. But he went down very briefly. I want to say two starts max, maybe only one. 
um, for AAA for Detmers. Comes back up, and he was a different guy, Justin. He the slider was working. He was missing bats, which was which what is what he wasn't doing earlier. And even though he was having some success, remember he had the no hitter, and everyone called it. By the way, like nobody was mm-hmm. fooled by Detmers. Generally speaking, everyone was kind of like, okay, he's a good prospect, he's a good pitcher, but we're not buying into him as an ace yet. And this no hitter is not selling anybody. So when he went down, he was getting cut left, right, and center, myself included. Comes back up, 304 ERA, 78 strikeouts in 71 innings. I'm pretty moved by that because the the arsenal was different and better. Like, yes, it's a small sample and it is an in-season change, but this is also something that I was expecting from him. I remember saying on the pod that he could be a summer breakout. Now, I didn't hang on for that summer breakout, but I didn't feel like I could because I didn't know if it was going to come or not. But I like Detmers quite a bit, and that's why he's my number one of this little Barrios-Sandoval-Detmers trio that we're talking about. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, when we're talking about Angels pitchers, I'm always going to devalue them a little bit, anyways, just because of the six man rotation. That's um, a good point. You know, I mean, it just, it limits, you know, you're, you're never going to get two starts. Um, and uh, I think it just limits, you know, the guy, you know, and they've shown like they will throw Joe Schmo in that rotation to keep a six man because they're trying have to protect Otani. Have they um, hard confirmed that that's on the books for next year? They haven't, but I just assume as long as they've got Otani that, that yeah, we should operate as though it is until yeah. we get word to the contrary. But I was just wondering, you know, if they, they had committed to, yeah, to that yet. I don't know that they have necessarily verbally committed to it, but I think as long as they've got Otani on that team, and they may not have Otani, like there is talk that they could trade that trade him. Uh you know, and so uh maybe that changes at some point this season, especially if they fall out of it early. Uh, but I think for now you have to operate with the idea that they're going to run a six man rotation uh, for the entire season, or at least for the vast majority of it. And so you just have to drop the starts for guys like uh, Sandoval and Detmers and really plan into, you know, if, if you're in a league that locks lot, you know, pitching lineups weekly, which, you know, a lot of people play, you're just never going to get that second start, which, uh, which hurts, I think a little bit. So uh I think I'm I'm a little bit too low on Detmers. I'm probably gonna need to uh, raise my ranks. I'll have my ranks completely updated by Monday night um, for the for those of people on the Patreon. So, uh, but uh, yeah, going back to Barrios, I just I don't see myself getting him very often unless he just really slides in a draft. I just you know when your fastball. Uh, the pitch you throw the second most amount is that awful. Uh, I just, I really need to see something different. You know, if we hear him, hey, we're, I'm going to add a cutter. I'm going to, you know, I'm working on this. You know, maybe that changes my mind a little bit because the, I think the price is ripe for buying. Yeah. Uh, but there's still so many guys in that area, you know, around Burrios, the John Grays, um, the Bailey Overs. The, yeah, uh, I was going to bring up Ober and Ashby as well. Um, yeah, Aaron Ashby's another guy like where your boy uh, Heaney is not uh, is even lower, right? You could wait yeah. two rounds, and obviously we know Heaney's health concerns for sure, but his skills when he pitches are great. You know, do you take Barrios or do you wait two rounds and, and take Heaney? I think it depends on the the construction of your pitching staff already. If you've got a bunch of horses, I think you can kind of wait and go for him if you have guys who have risks them innings risks uh injury risks things like that then i think you need to draft a you know guy like barrios over heaney because you know barrios is going to give you length and i agree uh, i think that's um, a good call and we also don't know where Heaney's going to pitch like do Correct. we you know there's talk that boston's interested in him do we want him in fenway I don't know. Mm. <laughs> if the I'm Dodgers couldn't no. fix Andrew Heaney, can anybody? I mean, they they got they the did, skills actually, out of him. Yeah. They, they just couldn't fix the health. I wish they had given him is, the qualifying offer so he could just stay. Right? There is no uh, magic elixir for uh, for fixing health, unfortunately. And, By the way, Tyler Anderson should absolutely take that cue. Yeah, Tyler Anderson should take it. Um, Perez. Perez should Anderson, take it. Uh, Jock Peterson Jock should Peterson take it. Jock Peterson all day. Yeah, Probably but, Eovaldi. I, I said I could see Eovaldi maybe not taking it to get a multi, but then someone pointed out that the pick could tank his market to where he doesn't Absolutely. get any multi offers, yeah. in which case I would then take it. But those are the four that I can really see taking it. Rodon, mm-hmm. Mart- or not Rodon, Martin Perez, Tyler Anderson, Jock Peterson, and Nathan Eovaldi. 
Yeah, all, all of them should definitely take it. Like, I, I think those those are the four there. So if you're doing an over 19, 19 million in the bank, like yeah, what is yeah. Jock Peterson gonna get on the open market? Like two twenty anyways. That. Like and listen, I know he had, I know he had a great season, and there's talk of how the shift is gonna help guys like that. I'm still surprised that y'all offered it to him. And, I, I'm shocked too. But I was shocked they offered it to Brandon Belt, and that turned out to be an awful yeah. decision. So, yeah. uh, all right, let's talk Yasmani Grandal. One of the bigger flops of the year because it was just a stone cold flop, and it was at a tough position. And where he kind of a doubly hurt. This is a little hard to quantify, right? Because it's on a case by case basis. Catcher was so robust this year that some people might have acted quickly, right? If you got the Phil Dussault type of mind you know everyone talks about how he cut Degrom, made that big decision in his uh big events last year in 21 um he was ahead of the curve if you have that sort of hey it's not going well i cut and you jumped off grandal you were able to replace him pretty easily because the catcher market was so robust where he could have burned you though was that you held thinking hey it's just money grandal he'll get back on track and you let cal raleigh go by and you let adley rutschman go by and you let Alejandro Kirk go by, which Alejandro Kirk was drafted in all two catcher leagues. I'm talking like one catcher situations here. MJ Melendez. Like MJ Melendez. Pick him up off the wire. Yes. Yeah. Like there were – like Jonah Heim in your two catcher formats, he was available. Like there is a world where you watched five, six, seven, eight quality catchers go by off the waiver wire because you were hanging on to Grandal thinking that he has to rebound, and he just never did, Justin. He was so, 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 so bad. I, I can't be convinced that this wasn't injury fueled primarily, like the fact that he uh, his performance, even when he did play, obviously that's what kept him off the field. But it also ate up his numbers with a 68 WRC plus. Still had the quality plate skills, but just zero punch in his bat. Can the 34 year old Grandal rebound, or is this the beginning of the end? I mean, I think it's both. I think it is the beginning of the end for him, but I also think he can rebound. He's gonna play. Like they, they're yeah, gonna they fight him. him, yeah. And they don't so. have anybody else. Yeah, Zeb, they, Zebby Zavala is not the dude. I'm sorry. No, he's, uh, he's a fine C two, but he's not a C one. Yeah, so I think he, I think he's gonna play. Uh, I think he can volume his way into being useful. I think this is a fantastic price for a guy that's been a top five catcher in the league recently. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for this. I prefer to get uh, an elite catcher. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. one of the top five or six catchers, and then grab him as my C2. I'd uh, love to make Grandal my C2, yeah. by the way. Minus 142 picks down to pick 250. So the robustness of the market, the catcher market, has also helped push this price down to where he's the 16th catcher off the board. Love in it. fact, the aforementioned Jonah Heim is going after him too. So, you know, I'm in a situation where in DCs, I'd love to get a premier guy and then do like a Grandal Dan Jan pretty yeah. close together and those are my top three and then my fourth guy is going to be like austin barnes eight gagillion yeah. picks later type of reese deal. mcguire like yeah you know. just just somebody that like can actually catch mm -hmm. as my fourth because i usually go for four in dcs um and that's kind of how i want to play it premium two middles one uh buying high on dan jan because he uh hit very well last year and i think he's going to get traded and then a buy low on grandal and then just a a flyer late. That's kind of how I want to play. I love Grandal. Uh, I got burnt by this, but I'm buying back in because I think the price is is cheap enough to buy back in. I got uh, Grandal as my C two in my first DC of the year, and what I did was my C four is Sebi Zavala. There you go. There like, you go. So it, if he it, does Grandal's swap again, hurt again he's you hurt. get that PT. Zavala is the guy probably coming up to get the PT. I went Dan Janheim, Danny Jansen and Heim oh, in our draft. Um, I'm really keen on Jansen to like Houston or something. Ideally Houston, but like Cleveland, uh, I think is another contender that could use somebody. And I think that there's some there's some good fits mm -hmm. there. So, uh, but yeah, Grandal on a buyback is nice. Let's stick with another GR for last name in Trent Grisham, who we hinted at earlier. He is obviously another big disappointment. He's somebody that I was so mad when he got taken by uh, uh, by Dustin in our league, Dustin McComas, mm -hmm. and turns out didn't have any reason to be mad. I picked him up after Dustin cut him. I picked him up off the wire. I was like, you know what? I'll take a shot on the talent here. It started off all right, but I probably held on too long to him mm -hmm. because uh, it 
it got very bad again. And no matter how you slice it, uh, outside of just looking at August, that's the only way you can look at it positively. He had six homers with an 838 OPS. Every other month was under 700 OPS, ranging as low as 345 in September, October, Justin. Uh, 17 homers, seven steals, 152 games for Trent Grisham. Here's the crazy thing. All of that sucked completely, and I'm back in. I mean, I already told you he's on the team that you and I drafted. I just think the price has fallen enough. Am I a sucker for staying bought in on Trent Grisham? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, not completely because the price is so good. Like, at worst, he's going to deliver stolen bases. Like, I mean, you know, and, and he did hit 17 home runs. Like, uh, and it's not a hundred point uh, OBP average split, too, which is where you want to be. And here's the thing like, his defense is going to keep him on the field. Like, it's, I think he, you know, he plays center field. He was 99th percentile and outs above average, um, 78th percentile and outfield, outfielder jump. Um, so you're telling me reasons why I, I'm not a sucker then. This is you're no, no, you're, you're probably not a sucker. Uh, the plate skills are atrocious. Like it, like in, I mean, he the strikeout rate swings and misses too much. He didn't make contact. Um, like offensively, I don't know that he is very good, but he could volume his way into being uh, usable uh, because of that defense. Um, he's he's twenty six too. Is there not a world where where Trent Grisham no, absolutely figures some? Yeah. Some stuff out and rebounds. I mean, because he was dreadful against righties. We know that lefties can be trouble for these young lefties, although he actually has a reverse platoon throughout his career. But, I mean, he's just evaporated against righties these last couple of years. He was 7-12 last year, 6-23 OPS this year. I feel like he's got to be better than that, but maybe not. Maybe not. That's uh, that's 800 plate appearances against righties since 21, where he's putting up what? Like, that's probably like a mid 700s OPS there if you add up the two seasons. He I mean he definitely got unlucky like his XBA was like 25 points higher than his actual BA. 227 um, BABIP against righties for Trent Grisham. And that would, you know, had had he gotten that, you know, that help, uh, you know, that would have brought his on-base percentage up over 300. Uh, you know, because he is a 10% walk guy, you know. Yeah. You know, walking That's 11 great, like you know. And so you got a guy who can get on base via the walk. Uh, you got a guy who can play really good defense um, on a team that uh, I think is going to value that defense, especially if uh, you know, we see someone like uh, Tatis go into the outfield. They're going to want a guy like Christian to help him cover as he kind of learns how to really play that position uh, full time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are reasons, especially at the reduced price. Now, if the price starts going back up, uh, then I'm going to be out. But I think at the price, he's a fine pick. Like, a, you know, what do you want? You want guys who are going to play. I think Grissom's going to play. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. Um, I think the volume's going to be there. He's going to get an opportunity to rebound. Uh, we'll see if the skills are there for Grisham. I'm willing to take another shot this year. And if it's gone this year uh, in 23, okay, cool, I move on. But uh, at age 26, I think there's enough upside to where he could be a big hit. I don't even need him necessarily to be. Uh, I'll take a solid return, but I think the upside is actually quite rich too. I, I just I can't quite give him up. Uh, we're not that far removed from some quality work. Even 2021 was at least a 103 WRC plus, uh, and of course he was good in the in the 2020 uh, 60 gamer, which that's only a two month run though. So that's why we can't put too much mm -hmm. stock into that. And his power, like that we saw, like we saw these 17 home runs. Like I think they're fairly legitimate. Um, you know, 15 of those uh, 17 home runs fell into the mostly gone section of uh, kind of the home run tracker over on, on baseball. Salon. So like, it wasn't like he got lucky fluke wise. And while we saw a lot of other people lose home runs because of like, you know, mediocre power, I think Trent Christian has legit power, uh, you know, to at least hit 20 bombs. And we know he's got the potential to steal 20 bases if he can get on base enough. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think he is, you know, maybe he gets lucky. Maybe he just improves those contact skills because, like you said, he's only 26. And, like, he could be a sneaky 2020 guy. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I think so as well with Trent Grisham. So I'm de- definitely taking a look at him. Those are our big ADP movers on the uh, on the drop side. There, you got Schwindel, VR, Gro- Grossman, Cruz, Toro, as far as the biggest drops overall of non-injury closers or retirements. And then among the top 300 picks, Whit Merrifield, Jared Walsh, Jose Barrios, and Yasmani Gr- Yasmani Grandal, and Trent Grisham all still in that top 300. They fell from much higher perches than that. And uh, there's some bargains there. There's some bargains to get. There's some other guys that maybe you just let the price keep dropping and, and you pass on that. Justin, it's rainy and gloomy here, so it's officially no longer baseball season, right? Uh, we kind of had our final end of season there when we go to the Arizona Fall League. That's usually the bow on the season for me. That means it's time to look forward. You said you're working on your rankings this weekend. What else are you doing in this early part of the off season to kind of get yourself ready? You taking a breather? You you going in on something else? Like, what do you do in this November time to kind of make sure that you're still sharpening your game for the following season? All right. Well, I mean, I don't know if this was like a like a softball setup or not, but uh, post an article to uh, FanGraphs this morning called uh, "Your Off Season Checklist," uh, mm-hmm. and it's literally these are the, exactly the things I do in order to get ready for another season. So, and it's kind of, you know, you know, step-by-step breakdown of like what I think everybody should be doing. Uh, so you can definitely go check that out over on Fangraphs. Give us a click, read it, uh, tell me what you think. But I mean, mostly it's, I want to absorb as much information as possible. Uh, but before I do that, I want to make sure I go through my previous teams, see what I fucked up. And I did mm-hmm. a whole series of articles outlining exactly what I messed up. Uh, where I can improve, what my, you know, fallacies in terms of uh, strategies were. Uh, And then I want to set my own baseline. So if you do ranks, if you do projections, do those as early as possible before you get influenced by other people. Um, That gives you an idea of where you stand. And then you can use other people's information through podcasts and articles to kind of rein you in one way or another. Like, you know, did I miss something? Am I understanding something on, on certain players? Uh, things like that. Um, and yeah, and then I go through a whole, I have a whole section in that article about uh, the best ways to kind of filter information because there's a lot of great information out there. There's a lot of bad information out there. Um, and the people who are really good at fantasy are able to filter that information properly. Noise, got to filter out the mm-hmm. noise. It's the signal from the noise, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great article there. And uh, listen, you know, I'm here to set you up. You that, I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you and Justin gonna, or Jason going to be talking this weekend? I know we obviously had a pod last weekend and it went very well and we had a blast. Are you guys going to be talking this weekend at all? Uh, I don't know yet. I will. I'll send him a message. I'd like to start recording regularly again uh, with him. It is my birthday coming up here in mm-hmm. a, a little under a week's time. So, uh, I, you know, may end up waiting till after Thanksgiving uh, to, to do that. But uh, we'll be getting rolling here again and uh, and I'll be bringing on guests, too. So uh, if you have people in the industry that you've heard on other podcasts um, or have their own podcasts and you want to hear them on this podcast, um, uh, please uh, let us know. Uh, talk to a few people in Arizona, like James Anderson uh, and Kevin Hastings and uh, the Triple Play guys uh, about coming on the pod. So you and I will organize maybe some midweek guest episodes with, that with sounds those fantastic. people. Uh, and then I'll have ones with Jason on the weekend as well. All right. Sounds great. We'll have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Take it easy.